Welcome to the podcast. We talk about all the things that are hidden in the shadows. This is Isaac. This is Megan. And on today's episode, any month of requests. Who requested this, by the way? Karina. She's a long-time listener. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, she's listened to us for a while. Mm. Like, from the very beginning. She is from Mexico. She grew up in Mexico. And she specifically wanted us, because she was from that area, she enjoyed the first Haunted Mexico episode. So there's obviously tons to talk about. We decided, yeah, we're going to dive back into it. And you have some stories that you gathered from your dad, and they are in your back pocket. And you've left <laughs> me in suspense for like, what now, like three or four days? Yeah. A week almost. And uh, apparently they're really chilling because... Isaac's face when he got off the phone with his dad. I was like, what's up with you? I wouldn't say it was like, I was like, oh my God. No, it was just like, this is going to be a gold. But also in a sense that stuff like, I think we mentioned the last episode uh, towards the end. Our paranormal experiences, like I've said, it can feel like two different books Mm -hmm. with the amount between the two of us. And it's stuff that I experienced all while my lonesome on our uh, my infamous ranch is enough for a book on itself. And it seems that my luck or bad luck, however you want to see it, for experiencing the paranormal, right, is inherited. Because my father's experienced a lot of shit that we talked about here and there. But also my grandfather, apparently, that I never knew about, experienced a lot of stuff as well. I would have never guessed your grandfather, too, because he seems like maybe he didn't, not that he didn't believe in that stuff. I don't know. But this episode is Haunted Mexico Part 2, or revisited in a sense like that. But we're going to go over some Mexican legends, uh, some Mayan Aztec gods of death, uh, some lore surrounding the area and stuff like that. Stuff that we didn't figure out the first time we're through. And also these stories I'm going to tell you uh, from my dad and my grandfather I've never heard before. Or I've never, you guys never heard before because I've never heard before. Yeah. And I've never heard before. So you're going to get my true reaction. Yeah. And I know these people. So my grandfather, my grandfather was 70, 80. I want to say he was 79. He wasn't 80 before he passed. He he died in his sleep, which puts him as a kid, probably in 1930s, right? No. Okay. So my grandmother. 1940s. Yeah. It would be around there, I think. Yeah. Because my grandmother is. Late 30s, early 1940s. I think my grandfather, when he was a kid. Yeah. 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 Right. Mm -hmm. Um, By the way, he passed away about. It was before Killian was born, so it's got to be like six or seven years now. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it was like, yeah. Like I was saying, the inheritance of a paranormal seems to be following my family along for a long time now. I was talking to my dad the other day, and I was just asking him stuff, and me trying to explain my ability to my father is very hard because he lives a very simplistic life, and that's not an insult, right? He likes it simple. He doesn't like drama. He doesn't like anything out of the ordinary. The man watches PBS for fun. Let's say that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I learned things. Why? Why are you so proper? But when I try to explain my abilities and stuff like that, it's just like it's out of normal. He's not like you're crazy, but he's also like I don't know what you're talking about. By the way, every impression I do, my dad is pretty spot on. Yeah, so. it really is. But no, I would ask him things about paranormal stuff just because you know I, I mean, the conversation I had with my father was mostly about sports and stuff like that. But I want to know more about like paranormal things he experienced. And he told me stories here and there when I was young and. Stuff to scare to scare us, like don't go over there. That uh, guy will get you or chupacabra, la la la. You know, if you're, 
a Mexican kid or Hispanic kid, you've heard all the stories about keeping you uh, uh, scary stories, stuff like that. I was asking about these stories and he was, he says, I don't know, mijo, I don't like messing with that stuff. It scares me. I don't like it. Right. <laughs> but he told me a tale that happened to him when he was, when he first came over to America. So he had to be like 12 or 13, but this happened in Mexico. He had an aunt. Funny enough, it's one of the aunts I've actually met. Uh, she lives in Dallas. I think she's still alive now. She was dating this other guy or started dating this other guy. And that guy's ex-girlfriend was upset with my dad's aunt because she thought he stole him away from her, right? Unbeknownst to everyone in the family, uh, that woman was a witch. Very wow. dark bruja, as they say in Mexico, right? So out of nowhere, my dad assumes there was a curse put on her. His aunt starts uh, losing her eyesight. It's blurry. She can't see straight. Like, she's like, she's losing her vision. She's going blind. I mean, she doesn't understand because she's young at the time. Because my dad was a kid, so she had to be like in her late mid-20s. And so they go to an optometrist. And he's like, I have no idea what's wrong with your eyes. You're going to have to wear glasses. And you might go blind in the next couple of years. I have no idea what's going on with your eyes. Couldn't explain it. <laughs> so uh, my aunt takes the other route and speaks to uh, a light witch. And she said, uh, yeah, you're cursed for sure. And I'm going to get a lot of heat for telling you this, but uh, I, I can tell you how to break the curse and what you're going to have to do, right? And I need you to uh, find, she she gave her uh, her, her aunt uh, instructions, right? Mm-hmm. And how she knew all this, I don't know, maybe she meant a psychic slash witch at the same time. Gave her instructions to go to, to a graveyard in the town that my, they lived in, in Mexico, and find a crypt. And in that crypt, in the basement area, right where they keep the bodies, she'll find a picture of her aunt, right? And you bring that picture back to me. So yeah, they went to that crypt, and lo and behold, there was the picture with two nails in her eyes. Oh my god! Right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, so they bring the picture back to the white witch, and she does some kind of spell about burning it and doing all this intense stuff and some kind of spell in Mexican or Mexican in Spanish. Uh, her eyes are fine. She had to wear glasses for the rest of her life, but she didn't go blind. Dang. So basically, they healed it from the point, that point, and that beyond. That's crazy. See, that that is insane because all over a dude, man. But that's just showing you the power that, that brujas but, have in Mexico. But want me to tell you something? That's mm. crazy you mentioned that because there's somebody on my family line that that happened to. That went blind. And my grandma's mom always said that it was witchcraft. Did that. Like, because Italians have their own set of. The like, gypsy it, style? No, it's, uh, I think it's called Strangaria. Sangaria? S- no, Sangaria. Like the drink. <laughs> like, I'm not going to do it because then I have to do an accent. Sangaria. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, but it's it's an Italian version of like witchcraft, and of course, a majority of witchcraft light and dark. Whether you work with the lighter side of stuff, and or you work with the darker side of stuff, and but there was somebody on my family line that lost their eyesight, and they really believed that it was that. Now, yeah, my dad said, "Yeah, you don't go to Mexico, man. That's just crazy down there, man." <laughs> right? Yeah. Um. But I remember he told me another story, and it's correlated to something that happened when he was young. He was nine or 
eight or nine. I forget when he told me this happened to him. But there's a graveyard in the town that he grew up in. And in a town is maybe a population of like 80 people. Mm-hmm. It wasn't very big, right? But they had a small graveyard outside of there. And he had to walk past at night to get from his house to somewhere else, a friend's house or something. And he always know, heard the stories of La Chusma, right? A giant owl that looks like a woman's face and stuff like that. And he passed by the graveyard one night and saw La Chusma sitting on a branch above the graveyard area and looked at him, right? And screamed at him. And he ran. <laughs> now, I come to find out in this conversation I had with my dad. That happened to my grandfather as well when he was a kid. The story that he told me is that my grandpa um, was working uh, the fields in Mexico, right? And one late evening after getting done, he goes back in the house and he's relaxing. He remembers he left his hat, I think, out in the, in the, in the fields at night. So he had to go pick it up because he didn't want to leave it out there. And when he was out there grabbing it, he heard Luchusma, right? But it was calling his name. Ew. Right? He said, Felix. That's my grandfather's name. Yeah. You know, Felix. Right? And he sees it. And like the big <laughs> giant winged woman oh face owl starts flapping his wings like woof, woof, like like loud. And my grandfather's like, ah! And he, fucking, he runs out of there. But he heard it call his name. Ew. Yeah. Those are the stories. Dang. <laughs> No, that that first one. And it's crazy because people don't really believe like another person can have that power over you. But just from the years, the couple years that we've been doing, like investigating in, in the podcast and stuff like that, I have found so many stories on just the level at which hexing and cursing and all of that stuff can can get like it's it's insane. Like, I, I mean, I knew it existed, but I didn't know to that level. I mean, my, my dad's always told me stories, like, of stuff that he saw in Mexico, but most of it was, like, blue hot stuff and, like, crazy things. But in the paranormal-wise, uh, the things he experienced, he tried to avoid the most because my dad didn't like dealing with anything paranormal whatsoever. Yeah. So. Yeah. But my only trip to Mexico, yeah, I had a paranormal experience by seeing, um, uh, dang it, what was the name of the wolf? Oh, I forgot the name, but it's like the the black and the white wolf, right? Mm-hmm. I see it sitting on a, a ledge, and I bark at it or yell at it, and it doesn't even pay attention to me, which, what dog in the world would not pay attention to somebody? And it jump off the, the ledge, off a cliff, and disappear, right? And it looked like a giant white sheepdog wolf kind of thing. I was just like, what the hell is this? It is sitting on the ledge. Like, why is, it, why is there a dog out here that I didn't see in the little village my dad grew up in? The whole entire time we were there. And mm-hmm. the one night I see it on a full moon, I had to go outside to take a piss. Well, funny enough, I made sure to grab an urban legend from Zacatecas, where your family's from. Mm-hmm. So that's that's going to be interesting. Well, Zacatecas is a, a big city. city. Yeah. And my dad probably grew up in a village outside of it. Yeah. I want to say about 45 minutes to an hour outside. Then again, I didn't really pay attention to distance. I just know it took a little bit for him to get... From the town to Zacatecas. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Dang, that first one. <laughs> <sighs> Chills, man. Um, so I guess it's kind of like my turn to start diving into the urban legends. I got a couple more that are different than the ones that we talked about. And funny enough, this was an easier time 
picking out the urban legends like first time we dove into haunted mexico i had a little bit of an issue like finding things i had to do some digging but this time there's a lot more articles and stuff coming out about different urban legends but the first one i wanted to talk about was a spot that we never talked about and it's in guadalajara which i'm just gonna say this ahead of time my pronunciations anybody that's listened for a long time knows my pronunciations of things is not keen and just to say i specifically typed it in where you know like in the translator where you can hear it being said and i phonologically i guess wrote it out so hopefully i don't butcher it too much and your glinga comes through in your words like taquito i don't say taquito (laughs) no i just you can cook the food, but you can't pronounce it. Uh, no, I just get awkward when I start having to do I think accents. you want some enchiladas? No, I don't say it like that. <laughs> don't you even paint that pinch. No, don't <laughs> don't paint that picture because I don't sound like that. <laughs> now, my grandma, yeah. she, when she you says... You make her tacos again. Yeah, or what? I don't know how she tends to turn everything into Italian. But she'll be like, enchiladas, is that like enchiladas kukulagoomba? Grandma, no. Like, what is that even? But my grandma's as, like, Italian as you can get. Like, she's she grew up in Brooklyn, so yeah. she's, she's, like, yeah, really Italian. <laughs> like, her family is, like, 100% Italian, and so, yeah. Um, But the first spot that I wanted to talk about is in Guadalajara, Mexico. And it is the Santa Paula Cemetery. And there is tons of urban legends and lores on, like, people that haunt that area. A lot. So I'm just going to go over a couple. But um, we might actually post more about it on our Instagram or even on our TikTok. So the cemetery itself is a historical cemetery it was opened in 1848 and closed in 1896 and the reason why they even built the cemetery was basically to house more of the deceased especially during epidemics it housed many historical figures but in 1952 the tombs of the most notorious people were moved to the rotunda de los Jalacientes, i believe it's called in downtown Guadalajara. So, um, basically, 1952, they moved a lot of the, like, famous or notorious people there, but the ones that the legends are focused around are still there. It is currently a museum for tourists and history buffs, and it offers night tours. So, if you're in that area, you technically can go toward this cemetery. But it is a huge focal point on haunted spots in Mexico. So, the first legend dates back to May 24th, 1882. A huge storm was about to hit Guadalajara and a couple was putting their son to bed. The name of the young boy was Ignacio Torres Altamirano. I'm probably butchering that. I just turned that (laughs) Italian. I'm sorry. Um, But his family called him Nachito. He always slept with two lit torches outside his bedroom window and slept with the windows open because he was absolutely terrified of the dark. The storm hit and the torches went out and the next morning the mother knew something was extremely wrong. 
She entered the room and saw her son laying there lifeless. It was determined that Nachito died of a heart attack because he was so afraid of the dark. It's rumored Nachito's death was caused by a curse or the work of the demons. Uh, Nachito was buried at the cemetery and the craziness didn't actually start happening till the following morning. His grave was dug up and laid next to where he had been buried the day before. Or not, the coffin. This completely horrified the residents and the parents of Nachito, and this kept on for nine straight days. The conclusion from Nachito's parents was that he was so afraid of the dark that he didn't want to stay in the dark even in the afterlife. They ended up making a stone coffin that stood on four pillars above the ground so Nachito could always see sunlight. Rumors had it that people had seen the boy or heard the boy while visiting the cemetery, and some have even seen it. How they described it was it almost looks like somebody is carrying balloons, but the balloons are just floating. There's no like apparition holding the balloons. It's just balloons floating as if somebody was. Why does that give me it vibes? Yeah. The, they all float. Weird. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yes, but a lot of people... Um, tend to leave offerings for the young boy, such as small toys or favors. And on April 30th, which is known as Children's Day in Mexico, also on Christmas, near Christmas, people come and leave small toys and plush animals as offerings for the boy. So that is one story. Now, the next story, I didn't even know that, like, Mexico had a legend like this, but this one's called the Vampire Legend. And... The tree that is focused around this legend is known as the vampire tree, and it's in the actual cemetery. Mid-1800s, small animals were found dead and without blood all over Guadalajara. After months, animals began to turn into infants in sense. So instead of moving, they went basically, whatever it was, went from small animals to now infants. Not that the animals, dead animals, were turning into infants. I said I just, I said that wrong. I said that weird. <laughs> Sorry. But it, it went from being small animals to draining the blood and killing small infants. Um, eventually, a, a group formed to begin to hunt these quote-unquote vampires. The group grabbed a few suspects and grabbed the one that looked the most vampiric looking, drove a stake through the man's heart, and then took the body, the man's body, to Santa Paula, which is the cemetery that we're talking about, and place it under a large stone grave. The attack stopped, time passed, and a tree started to grow over the slab covering the quote-unquote vampire's body. Legend is if you break one of the branches, blood will squirt out. Leaves even leave a strange red residue if you mess with them. The tree is huge, and it's said that when the tree's roots system breaks the slab, then the vampire will escape and seek revenge on the citizens today in Guadalajara. Dun, 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 dun. Now, most likely, mm -hmm. go to Mexico in investigation. Just because uh, the supernatural seems to be very strong down there. Mm -hmm. And there's different theories of why, but we'll talk about it towards the end. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, some of the supernatural is very strong down there. So I feel like if we ever were asked to go down to Mexico and investigate in different places, uh, we have our hands full. Yeah, this one is definitely one of those places that has a lot going on just from the legends. Like I said, apparently there is a legend of a pirate entity there. There's a like lover entities there. There's a monk entities. There's 
ones with specific names. There's a nun there. There's like a whole bunch in that cemetery. And I believe like a little bit of the land was actually used for a nearby hospital. So you have whatever's happening at the hospital kind of floating into the cemetery as well. It reminds me of when I was looking at it, kind of that cemetery that's in New Orleans that has like a lot. It's super old and has a lot of the monoliums or monoseums, however they call it. Mausoleums. There there you go. go. That's kind of like what it reminds me of for some reason. Okay, moving on. So like I said, uh, in past episodes, I or not past, but the last couple of episodes, I kind of wanted to find Aztec or Mayan lore and legends. I didn't find a lot, but I also... But I did find that, like, the Aztecs' view on the afterlife, which I thought was interesting. But also, they believed in this, not legend, but they believed that the spirits of human women who died in childbirth on five specific days of the Aztec calendar, they descended to Earth and haunted crossroads, hoping to steal children whom they couldn't have themselves. I think it's called, I'm not even going to say that. It is really, I'll put it in the description if anybody wants to look up. Because it is like, definitely, it's like, it's an Aztec word. Like it's, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely, yeah. But I found this was interesting as well. Looking up the things about Aztecs and Mayans. Um, there's something called the Cantares Mexicano which was an important collection of lyric poetry transcribed into Roman letters around 1550 CE, about 30 years after the fall of Technolacon, I think. I'm not sure. Um, and the... Um, Technolacon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in the 1985 edition of the poems, John Beers Horst, interprets the poem as ghost songs and were intended to summon the spirits of dead Aztec warriors back to Earth to help descendants summon spirits of the dead of the dead Aztecs warriors. Uh, the ghost would descend from the heavenly uh, from from heaven, fully armed and ready to fight. Payment would be human sacrifice. But I mean that's all when you think about it, they were transcribed, you know, in fifteen fifty CE they really so, translate from Spanish into Roman, so... Yeah, or, or English at the time, I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess a small history of the Aztecs and what made their demise, and those who know their history, it was Cortez and the Spaniards. Which is funny, I, like, I, I just had the thought. If someone's listening to this episode, I wonder if they realize that I'm Mexican. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I know I don't sound like it, and that's my... Well, my mother blames my father, my father blames my mother. You know, I wanted you to have a, a proper uh, a chance in this world and stuff like that is your mm-hmm. excuse. You know, my father had a hard time because of his accent, how he talked to people. Yeah. Um, and you, have, you hear no accent in my voice. And people think, are you half Mexican? No. I'm 90%. The other 10% is Chitao native. But it's indigenous, all, you know, half Spaniard. But if you know your history is when it comes to Mexico, and I know it's brief in American history it's ever talked, but. Cortez conquered the Aztecs because uh, Montezuma, who was the emperor at the time, thought Quetzalcoatl, sorry, thought Cortez was Quetzalcoatl, right? Uh, Aztec god come down to earth because he's shiny metal, he had guns, he had power, could command like like kaboom sticks and stuff like that, right? With cannons and swords and stuff like that. They thought them gods. And when Cortez showed his true colors and wanted to conquer everybody, 
yeah, uh, that backfired pretty quick, and the Aztecs went to war with the Spanish. And even with disease wiping majority of them out, and with fighting uh, muskets and swords and cannons with their with the Aztec sword, which is essentially like a big paddle with um, we call it, uh, obsidian stone, all pieces of it in the edges, looking like at mm-hmm. little spikes all the way through that could uh, cut the head off a horse with one swing. How sharp these Dang. obsidian pieces were, right? Lost by an inch. I'm going to say it was a race. Lost by an inch. Taking on the Spanish. That's how brutal and war tactic and strong the Aztecs were. So they were getting wiped out by disease on one end and fighting muskets and cannons and swords on the other end. Mm-hmm. And they still lost by a little bit. And also it's because Montezuma, being a piece of crap that he was, right, betrayed the Aztec people by allowing the Spanish in as well. So three fronts from betrayal and disease, and fighting that, they were wiped out. Which, most people, if they learn anything about the Aztecs, is that they were a high society, civilized people. They had waterways, they had plumbing, they had markets, they had their currency, they had everything. They had a layer of, of, uh, we call it, uh, uh, of hierarchy, right? Emperors and stuff like that, the family traditions, like kings and queens. But they were seen as savages, by the Spanish. And Mm -hmm. that history is the reason why I'm half Spaniard and half Aztec. That all Mexican people, at least half Spanish and half whatever indigenous was the tribe, the areas that Luji originate from. Mm -hmm. So. Dang. But one thing I found super, super interesting when I was kind of looking up the Aztec and Mayan stuff, I didn't, I personally didn't find a lot on Mayans, but I found a lot on the Aztec views on diff- on the afterlife. I thought it was interesting that the Aztec views on the afterlife, the souls of the Aztecs went to three different places. The, <laughs> the pronunciation, the Tilocon, the Michelon, and the Sun. The Aztec idea of the afterlife for fallen soldiers and women who died in childbirth would have their souls transformed into hummingbirds and follow the sun on its journey through the sky. Those who drowned would go the Tilokan, the first level of the upper worlds. Uh, by the way, Tilokan, right? That's uh, the city and the new uh, Wakanda forever. I thought so. It sounded familiar when I looked. When I Those who died at water go to Tilokan. Tilokan, right, is a city in the other world, which, not to derail you, but Akukukan. Right, which was a serpent god of the Mayan belief that uh, had wings, uh, like bird wings on his edge. And he was a serpent god and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Who they thought, the people of the Lucan and the Mayans thought Nemor was. Mm-hmm. That's why he's named Kukukan, right? But yeah, Tulukan is what they based the underwater city, which is supposed to be Atlantis. But they switch everything around for the movies, which I'm fine with, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, not because I need Hispanic representation in movies, but I liked it because it was like, oh. It's something fresh. Instead of copying, not copying, because then more and and that Atlantis was around before Aquaman was. Funny enough, mm-hmm. comic book yeah. <laughs> information here. Um, people say, "Oh no, you mean uh, Namor is a ripoff of Aquaman?" It's like, no, the other way around. But I liked how they, they for movies and stuff like that, and the story that they gave it a new feel because they they did another Aquaman in Atlantis, just kind of feel like a repetitive. Mm-hmm. So giving it a whole new thing, extremely interesting. I liked it a lot. But yeah, Tulukan. Was the underwater city in Wakanda forever? Yeah, yeah. 
Souls of the people who died in less glorious causes would be on the lowest level of the Mich- Miklon and take four years and pass through obstacles to reach. So basically, the upper world is what they call it. There's different levels. And then on the underworld has different levels too. So I thought that was interesting how they thought of different levels like that. Strange, because I've been learning, of course, being Nordic pagan myself, learned a lot about, you know, the realms and stuff like that. But it's it's strange hearing and studying other religions and stuff and finding out how they don't all correlate, but a lot of them have pieces of each other, even though they were separated by continent. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That's the interesting part about all this, but go on. Okay, so I am going... So that's what I found out about the Aztec and Mayans. Do you have anything about the Aztec and Mayans? I was looking up Aztec Mayan gods of death. You just kind of went over the Aztec gods of death. So, mm-hmm. But um, I know the Mayan stuff, mythology stuff like, is, is not as, I guess, forefront and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Not saying they were a smaller tribe, but compared to the Aztecs, they were kind of smaller. And they were in between. The Aztecs were northern Tex- southern Texas, northern Mexico. And you got to remember how big Mexico is. Yeah, Mexico's huge. Yeah. And Mexico's northern areas is desert, per se. The eh, majority is desert areas. As you get, like, southern Texas and stuff like that, areas like that. And majority of Mexico has its pieces like that. But when you go down to southern Mexico on the tip of Brazil, right, in South South America, that's when you get and start to the uh, Yucatan of Mexico, where the Mayans ruled in that mm-hmm. area. Southern Mexico and northern Brazil or northern South America, that area controlled mostly by the Mayans. And then the southern half of, uh, so, or sorry, the northern part and almost a midway part of South America was uh, ruled by the Incas. Now, saying those are the only tribes in the area, no, there was almost a hundred some different kind of tribes mm-hmm. between that area and Mexico. But those are like the three big names the Incans, the Mayans, and the Aztecs. They're the biggest empires of that area. And a lot of smaller tribes were absorbed within the Aztecs, even though they weren't Aztec per se. Same for the Mayans, same for the Incas. I forgot the other ones. Chancas. The Chancas were the ones that made the deal with uh, Spaniards to help fight and betray the Incas in order to take more control. Yeah. A lot of fucking infighting. (laughs) Civil War and stuff like that amongst their own kind. But no, I looked at the Mayan god of death, and I found an extremely interesting story. The Mayan god of death, Kamatas, was a Batman. Not Batman from DC. But yeah. <laughs> but he was uh, a Batman or a man-bat, right? He had, like, the head of a bat, but human legs and arms. He had wings and stuff like that. Essentially, he was a god of, a god of death and stuff like that. Now, the Mayan gods created him or put him in charge of ruling over the death and stuff like that. But what happened was... When the Mayan gods fulfilled a promise to humanity, saying that we'll lock up all the demons in the underworld, which they did, right? They locked up all the demons in the underworld. And all the other questions in return was that they get a continuous sacrifices to them. Humanity did not hold their end of the bargain. So Kamataz wiped out all humanity. And the Mayans, gods, this is according to Mayan mythology, started over again. Recreating the human race and put them out there to worship them and sacrifice to them. That was extremely interesting because I was like, the Kamatas gone, wiped everybody out, and they had their minds had to start over again. So, was there a flood? I don't think so. 
But if you look at interpretation of bl- flood of blood, right? They mean to rhyme there, flood of blood. <laughs> it sounds like a metal album. <laughs> yeah. Um, Slayer album. Or yeah. Flood of blood. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> he scared the crap out of someone. Okay. I don't know who's on my attention, but <laughs> <laughs> wiping out humanity it would be a flood of blood. God, that sounds so metal when I say it like that. Oh <laughs> Taking out all of humanity, right? A flood of death, you would say, right? Wiping out all of humanity when it goes like that and then restarting over again. But that's my belief. So mm. I thought that was pretty cool when it comes to Mayan legend and stuff like that. Yeah, that's that's insane. Yeah. Interesting. When you start kind of looking at other other places and what they um okay <laughs> going off another exit here we're all about tangents yeah and we segueing into places yeah. that don't deserve it yeah so we're going <laughs> off another exit and we're going to where isaac's from uh, um not isaac his family <laughs> sorry i was sorry. born in one of the most southern states redneck states in the united states yeah and sorry if you're from there but hey you know who you are when i say where you're from all right yeah. alabama yeah. I was born in Alabama. And people are like, what? Yeah. I didn't choose to be born there. My dad was on a job because he worked as a VP construction company. He was lived there for a couple months. And hey, that's where I was born. But his family is from... Zacatecas. Zacatecas. Yes. And so there's a hotel there called Hotel Mesón de Jobito. Um, it was a private home in the 1700s. And that's originally what it was built as. Over the years, it was used... Over the many years, it was used as a market and horse stables, and then in 1993, it became a hotel. Apparently, many ghosts, I mean, many ghosts, uh, many guests have reported seeing ghosts of miners, like miners like gold, not miners like- Miners who mine. Yeah, not like under 18 miners. (laughs) Um, Hearing horses- uh, and surprisingly, it's all around 4 a.m. So I thought that was interesting because the next kind of story kind of it's interesting because, you know, they talk about seeing minors and stuff like that. And yet the next story is talking about a cursed stone in Zacatecas. So this is an urban legend. I found it on Mexico Unexplained. They were covering just different lores and legends. And this one was in Zacatecas. So the legend goes... The legend is based in colonial times. For anybody that doesn't know, Zacatecas, the Spanish arrived in the 1530s, and the reason why Zacatecas was so sought after was because of its natural resources. So, yeah. So, that kind of plays in with this legend. So, Misael, Galen, and Gerardo, these names, man, (laughs) Higneo, explored the mountains of Zacatecas. They found a mysterious cave, and in the cave was a black shining stone. Both of them had the idea that this would make both of them rich, so they headed into town in hopes of crushing the big piece of this black stone into smaller pieces, and they would get rich from that. Uh, The news had traveled down to the town that both boys had found something huge in the mountains. Days passed, and without sight of them, neighbors decided to send out to search for them. They were both found dead at the entrance of the mysterious cavern. Speculation surfaced that maybe they killed each other over greed, there was a robbery, there was just something that had gone wrong. They sent the boys to town, their bodies anyways, for a proper burial, and a well-known local merchant took over the stone. So this this merchant was well-known in the town, 
He didn't have any kind of like weird things going on, but he basically had the stone at that point. Days after the boys had been buried, the same merchant ended up killing his wife and committing suicide. The neighbors were astonished and they said that the man and the woman prior were completely fine. They didn't understand basically why this was happening or this had happened. There was some talk amongst the town and they basically said that the they believed that the black stone was cursed. And either that it came from the devil itself or it had been cursed, maybe someone had cursed it. And so they decided to organize another group and bring it back to the cave, just in case, I guess, maybe they thought they had disturbed something. So they bring it, so they send a group, bring it back. It had been days and they hadn't heard anything from the group. Another group goes and tries to find this group. The group is found dead at the entrance of the cave. Apparently, it is still on the wall of one of the Zacatecas cathedrals. And there's a small brass bell that you can hear when you get, when anyone gets like too close to it. But they believed that over like the retelling of legends, there was the speculation that the black stone was cursed by an indigenous shaman when the indigenous tribes were being pushed out. Cause that was when that this had happened after obviously a lot of the indigenous uh, tribes were pushed out and the Spanish came in and all that stuff. That reminds me, I don't know the same story now, but I remember something about a black mirror made of obsidian was taken from an Aztec or Mayan temple, I forgot which one, mm. that supposedly by, by stories allowed them to see the future. Or you could see things by looking into it. Oh, wow. And it was taken by Spaniards or somewhere from the Mayan Aztec tribe and either sold on a black market and one of the first times, so like they took it from Mexico to Spain and then it, it's somewhere in Europe right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. But that sounds almost exactly the similar. Well, I think it's interesting. They didn't say like specifically what the black stone was, but obviously obsidian's black. And you said that they used their one of the one of the tribes used that on their swords, right? Aztecs mines they both used uh, obsidian because it's a sharp stone. Mm-hmm. And yes, anybody who's ever been cut with obsidian, that stuff can cut through a lot of stuff if sharpened. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they used it to um, in war. But funny enough. Uh, the Mayans, the Aztecs, or the Aztecs, I think, uh, they didn't like killing their opponent. They felt killing your opponent was, or killing your enemy was seen as your, your poor warrior. If you kill your opponent, because then you can't sacrifice them. Mm. Right? So they were very precise with their, their cuts and their blows. And hence why the, the, the weapon has more wood than it does uh, obsidian pieces. It's not a continuous blade all the way around. It's like almost like little spike chunks that are separated by an inch each. That's crazy. Yeah. So this one I thought was interesting. This one is a haunted location in Mexico City. It is called the Moida House. What? The Moida? That sounds like murder. <laughs> That's what the, 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 when I typed in the house name, because I want to make sure I was pronouncing it correct. They pronounced it Moida, but it's, yeah, it sounds like a, a, a Boston person going, you know that that Moida house? Oh my gosh, it's not funny, but that's funny. Um, there was a person that I think she—I don't know if she covers just Mexico's like haunted legends, but she has a website called Amy's Crypt. So if you want to know more about like specific Mexico legends and stuff, more so than what we've talked about, check her out. It's a blog called Amy's Crypt. But she had told an urban legend, and it's. It is an urban legend, like there's no 100% hard proof of it, but 
there's a house that is, it's kind of funny because I was looking at it and I was thinking, you know, that's kind of like on purpose, maybe a house that me and Isaac would like live in because it's all black. It's like very, I don't know if it's because maybe it's whoever lives in it now because it's a private residence if they modernized it, but it's like that all black, like modern looking Adams family home. So apparently there was an eight, I don't know exactly when this took place. They didn't really say a date. But an eight-year-old boy by the name of Marcus decided to check out this abandoned house. So at the time, it was abandoned. The house is all black, by the way, like I said. He had begun to explore this house and had said that he, as soon as he entered, he started hearing voices coming from the rooms. He, But that didn't deter him. He decided to explore even further into the house. There was one specific room he saw an apparition of a hanged man from the ceiling. Apparently, the thought of the hanging man scarred Marcus, and he thought about it for years on end. Now, this is the creepy part. Ten years later, he went into the same room and hung himself. There are some scary explanations that have been conjured up about that incident. One believed uh, that there was extremely dark entities there that attached to Marcus and pretty much like ate at him and ate at him and ate at him until it convinced because there has been i think there has been like reportings of dark entities influencing people to kill themselves kind of like a suicide force yeah or that one what was the oh my gosh i remember i think you were telling me i think ghost adventures investigated the house or something but you were telling me and every time that i never got chills like that before but you were telling me the girl was like possessed or the guy was retelling the story the girl got possessed and she jumped off a bridge oh that was she was running in a suburban city really yeah but it was an actual possession case yeah Yeah. she ran down the street and then jumped off a bridge head first and snapping her neck and died oh my gosh but there but what i'm saying is there has been actual cases where a dark entity has influenced somebody to and their own life. So that's not too far-fetched. Yeah. And then another idea is that Marcus actually saw himself hanging. And it messed with him his entire life. And basically he snapped and went there and did it himself. So either way, it's super extremely creepy. But she did specify in this uh, urban legend that it, it is an urban legend. There's not like speculate like it's speculation it's just a a a story that's told multiple times and it could just be maybe the house like you know like it's a made-up legend because of the fact that it's all black and it's eerie looking and stuff like that but i believe at one point it was open to the public and amy's i guess her name's amy that owns the blog but amy and amy's crypt in the article that I found, she was saying that even though that specific story is an urban legend, it's kind of a story made up about like what took place in the house, that multiple people have reported uh, everything from seeing shadow figures, disembodied voices, and they do say as soon as you enter the house, it's not it's not normal. There's something off there. Sounds like a place we need to go. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. So that's pretty much what I was able to find. Haunted hotspots. There's tons. There's probably room at some point for Mexico Part Three <laughs> because there is a lot of spots that we we haven't covered. But yeah, those are the ones that I wanted to bring forth 
today because I thought they were super interesting. And when I first looked up Haunted Mexico, I did not find any of those. So I was like, dang, what? We did it back two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like I was saying in the beginning, my theory of why Mexico is so haunted. And this theory would have more weight behind it if I learned of Norway's hauntings. Mm-hmm. And I say that because my theory behind why I think Mexico is so haunted or so embedded in the supernatural is because there's two major faiths at war there. The old Aztec and Mayan belief and Catholicism. Now, if you look at all the major places that Christianity conquered, took out the original religion, and placed themselves above it, those places might be haunted. And I bring up Scandinavia and Norway in a specific reason, because they have the same thing, Mexico, and so my knowledge, and probably some other places too, but for my knowledge so far that I only know, Scandinavia and Mexico have the same thing happen to them. Their holiest places for their religion in Mexico City a temple that was used for sacrificing to the gods and stuff like that was demolished. And a Catholic church, giant one, the biggest one in Mexico, is built on top of it. Right? Mm-hmm. The holiest place in Norway, Scandinavia, for Nordic pagans, was destroyed and had a church built on top of it. Mm. Right? So if the theory will go in correlation of itself if I heard stories of why haunted the Scandinavia so haunted it with, with supernatural stuff. I don't know. You know, we know Mexico so well because it's, well, one, I'm Mexican and it's like right down there. So it's not that very far away. Um, we hear stories and legends. But yeah, when I figured that out and I learned about that, I was like, that might be a correlation of why. Because there's like the old Aztec mind belief, the supernatural power gods that lived there, the stories that people told how they lived in their society for centuries, right? There was even tribes before the Aztecs and Mayans. Forgot the names. Those are the O. Yeah, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, but they lived in that sense of mind with the the gods of that time, right? Until the Catholics came through, wiped everybody out, and then built their whole village on top. Now there is almost no remembrance or anyone who practices any kind of minor Aztec faith, right? It's all Catholic. That's all that is, right? So I don't want to say same for Scandinavia, Norway. I don't know, but I know that their most holy spot. There's a church built on top of it. Yeah. So. And. But that made me think and wonder why is it so supernatural there? Especially with dark magic and dark worship and stuff like that. But yeah, there's this video I saw. Mm-hmm. I know it's went through TikTok of these investigators, paranormal investigators who stumbled upon a graveyard where witches were performing dark things. And they had their followers chasing the investigators trying to kill them. Whoa. Right. And I can't remember if gun- shots were fired or not, but they were like trying to run away from these people that were trying to kill them. Dang. Yeah. Or capture them. You're in a graveyard. No one's going to know you're missing. Yeah. So, yeah, the dark magic is very strong there. That's why it's like, I think it's very haunted, especially with legends and lores and stuff like that. Chupacabra to La Llorona to La Chusma to all the other Mexican urban legends and stuff like that. They're down there. So that's my dad experience. And my grandfather, apparently. <laughs> But yeah, that's my theories of why it's so, the supernatural is so strong down there. Yeah. And it, it, you say it's strong down there with their legends and stuff like that, but you gotta think America, how many legend, urban legends we have? We have urban legends per state. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) 
People say, oh, Supernatural is so strong in Mexico. No, because there's more people well, believing it exists. One thing that I noticed is apparently uh, even Mexico has a hitchhiker phantom yeah. lore, right? And I was thinking in my head, because like when I was typing it out, because I was going to tell it, but then I was like, nah, you know. We... And I was thinking, holy crap, like our state, like each one of our states have a hitchhiker phantom story I mean, who's the first kind of like ripping each other off like covering the same song kind of but <laughs> it, i mean it doesn't it it's not that far-fetched like when you think about it like how many people probably have died over the years on a highway you know and some of it's residual now funny enough one thing that's still practiced is deas de muertes mm-hmm. right day to dead in mexico that's not essentially a catholicism belief mm-hmm. but it is a mexican belief that is somewhat remnants the Essica Mayan belief practice to this day. And I asked my dad, is why don't we do that? Like, mm-hmm. I remember watching Coco for the first time and like, wait, I've never done this, right? We have pictures of our dead relatives up and uh, on the day of the dead, make offerings so they can pass to the other, uh, the afterlife to our realm and stuff like that. Why we never did that? My dad's like, I don't know. We, I, for as long as I know, we never did it. Right, and I was, I was, I was strange, and like I know my grandma was Catholic, but I think she was not Catholic, not to practice that. I guess, I guess not in the sense of that. So no, uh, most Mexicans, I guess, in America don't really practice days and what this, and only around Central Mexico, I think they practice the most around the areas around there. Yeah, I thought that too. I was like, mm, I think I thought I would have. I know all about it, but mm-hmm. I just like guess my family never practiced it. Yeah. Yeah, but looks like we're. Yeah. At an hour. Yeah. Oh dang. Yeah. I had a feeling this one was going to go kind of long just because it. And I hope Karina, if you're listening, <laughs> this is a shout out to you. I know. I hope you enjoyed this episode because I know this was a we're different, more definite request of yours because I know you enjoy, you know, the Haunted Mexico series. Hopefully we could do a part three, maybe. Have we done a Haunted Italy before? Yes, but it was more of like haunted locations, not necessarily lores and legends and like. All of the above. We can if you want, because and I. Can I mean, share we did story. my people's, and I can do probably yours. Yeah, and I could share kind of like some whacked out stories that my grandma has. Yes, well, I guess it's not the same, but it's kind of funny how we correlate the same. We are both. Uh, no, no, I have a little more closer to the to the motherland than you do, though. Your grandmother's one hundred percent Italian, right? Mm-hmm. She's not from Italy. My mom's, yeah. No, my, so it goes, my grandfather was from Italy. Like, he came over, he fought in World World War II in Italy, and then came over to America. He is 100% Italian. Like, he had that Italian accent and everything. No, so your grandparents are, but your parent, your your dad is not Italian and stuff like that. Which is funny, is that I thought to myself, was like, my father was from Mexico, and I sound like this. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny. When you think about it, because like I met other people, kids, mm-hmm. right, whose parents are from Mexico and stuff like that, and no, they do not sound like me. Yeah, right. They have an accent because they speak Spanish fluently. Yeah, especially Spanish, parents who are like just from Mexico. Yeah, yeah, Spanish was probably their first language. I mean, I was taught it when I was a kid, but I grew up on Power Rangers and Sesame Street, so not novelas. Yeah, but yeah, but no, I could. We could definitely do a haunted Italy. I think that would be kind of cool. Yeah. Plus my family line. Yeah. It goes back with some crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. 
put it to you this way. My family line is so crazy that I've actually had some psychics not want to read me because of it. Now, I've had, like, I had a couple at the very beginning. Now, not so much, but at the very beginning, they wouldn't read me because mm. of my family line, apparently. Well, that's a, that's a marker for our future episode. Yeah, so we'll probably do that in 2023 because we're rounding out. So next episode, we are going to be covering, yes, okay, paranormal games. Ooh, I just got like a sage smell in my nose. I don't know what that is. I get that I get that for some reason and I can't figure out what the reason is, but it's like wood burning sage. I don't know why. Warning of some sort? Like maybe just I don't know. I'm not the only one. There's a lot of people that apparently get that. And it's not medically involved. Anyways. <laughs> so we're gonna go over paranormal games. And I kind of want to throw in Ouija boards as well, because technically that's a paranormal game. Yeah, you already do Ouija boards, though? We did it on Haunted Objects. I think actually we did a, a separate Ouija yeah, board Yeah, we did a Ouija episode. board episode. Yeah, that was like first of the first. Yeah. Um, I actually have some family history, funny enough, with Ouija boards and why it is almost like... It is against my family to, like, even bring one into the house. Mm. And I will explain why. Um, and we'll kind of re-go into that. And then, obviously, like, cursed games, paranormal games, like, weird things that people want you to do. I'm a, I also kind of want to go into more of the Randonautica app, and I kind of want to test it. We've never done the Randonautica. You have. I have it. <laughs> so I'm kind of curious. One day, maybe we'll go out and we'll see what happens. I don't know. No, we can't handle. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I was always scared to do it, but I feel like I have more grounding now to kind of, because I've, I heard so many stories about people that did the Randonautica app and they found dark stuff and I just don't want to do that. Like, like dark people, not dark no. entities. Because dark entities and dark people are two different things. Entity, well, I guess either way you can. Anyways, <laughs> now I'm just on a tangent, so. Yes. Look forward to next week. Yes. And that one, Mariah, she has come on as a guest because we helped her before. Mm -hmm. um, she requested that because she thought it was interesting. So, but As always, guys, you can catch our social medias at Hidden the Shadows Podcast on Instagram, Hidden the Shadows 6 on Twitter, Hidden the Podcast 2 on TikTok, uh, and links to all our social media. And always you can listen to us at HiddenTheShadowsPodcast.com. Um, but as always, we'll catch your widows in the next one. Yep.